My name's Tony Esmond, creator of Atomic Hercules and Related Filth, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. I thought that was just strong enough. Just right. If we were Goldilocks, yeah, just right. Yeah, all right. That, 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 if, if you, you're happy with it. That was warm porridge. Yeah. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Wow. I'm happy you're back. I wasn't gone. Well, I, you were gone. It was. Oh, I was gone. Like IRL. Yeah, IRL. I was gone. Yeah. In terms of the audio cycle of our faithful listeners, I wasn't gone. In terms of the illusion, it's just business as usual. Right. Right. Yes. And dude, it was hellacious though. The commute, the drive home today was there was yeah. torrential downpours. Oh, we need rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. we do need the rain. I mean, I'm not disputing that, but when you're driving on unfamiliar highways and oh yes, uh, and you literally can't see, uh, despite yeah. your windshield oh, wiper yeah. moving at full speed. Yes. So you mean every time I drive to your house? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Hey, everybody. It's 11 o'clock comics, episode 806. And I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Indeed, you are. And I am everyone's favorite chef, Gordon Ramsay. Okay. Well, I'm clued in on this one. I know who he is. (laughs) But the question is why are you Gordon Ramsay? You know, I was. I misread the dude. Yeah, you did. I I never wanted to watch like you know Vince. I mean, you know Dap and I both love like all yes. the cooking shows. Yeah, as and much I, as I love the fashion shows, right? And I yeah. never was into Gordon Ramsay. I thought he was a big d bag because of the way he he portrays himself in that Hell's Kitchen show. Right. So I just thought he was this giant asshole. So I'm like, I never watched any of his shows because I'm like, oh, this guy's an asshole. But then Dap got me to watch that Next Level joint. Where and he was pretty nice on that. And I'm like, oh, that guy seems all right. And then I read up about him, and he's like, actually, real good dude. Like, like in real life, like at least allegedly. You know, I mean, obviously, you never really know, but supposedly, real good dude. So then I'm like, oh, so I've been watching the, uh, I've been cranking out the Master Chef. Had never watched it before, but I've been watching the Master Chef. Oh, nice. Yeah, we um. It, and pretty much for the same reasons as as you, Jason. I never really, I knew him, and I appreciated what he does in the kitchen. But because of because of Fox with Kitchen Nightmares and Hell's Kitchen and everything like that, I'm like, this is just, I don't, I don't know how to take the dude. But then when we got when when our station started when when our provider started carrying BBC America, we saw some of the original. Um. OG kitchen nightmares and it is it's basically it's 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 just like you know British Bake Off compared to like Top Chef with the manufactured drama and and making sure you know you know this person's supposed to be an asshole and we're gonna focus on certain things instead of just letting people be who they are the BBC versions of of kitchen nightmares it's like the, the man is actually genuine he actually cares he's not he's not always in somebody's face he's not yelling he's not he's not calling people stupid nine times it, 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 but on everything on the american side 
yeah, they 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 amp it up for some stupid ass reason. But as you said on Master Chef, he is he's 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 in the middle. He's not he's right. He's not exactly, in anybody's he's face. Guy. You got Bastianich is the, yeah. well, at least in the early Bastianich is the jerk off. Yeah, and then uh, and then uh, Graham is the nice guy. And then right. when Graham, all right, relax. <laughs> Should we start talking about AEW? Oh, please no, please. We got to buy no. tickets tomorrow. I know, dude. Don't worry right. about that. But you're not Gordon Ramsay at all. You're Jason Wood, everybody. Here together for this ordinary, average, fun-filled episode brought to you by our beautiful patrons. Yes, that's right. Patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics. One, one, no apostrophe. Check it out. We give those who give to us. Uh, the patrons are there for us each and every month. They enable us to do many things, um, conventions, interviews, all that stuff. And in turn, we give back. We give them images and audio and video and uh, the ability to voice their opinion on the book of the month. And the best is the dedicated Slack channel where we gather each and every day to commune with the family. So if you would like to see... Uh, or at least experience part of what our patrons get, go to patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics. We would love to have you. Nice. Yes. Well stated. We've done this before. Right. Well, Jason's not going to ask, so I'll just jump in. I am drinking... The best Java on the planet? McDonald's. Did you finally finish? Black coffee. No, I just, I'm just, I'm trying to watch the cal- the caloric intake. Okay. So, uh, yeah. For now. Um, Down with that? No, I get it. Yeah. yeah. It gets out of control, you know what I mean? I don't have a stopgap. Yes. I have, I, I am not a creature of moderation. I either, I'm all in or I'm all out. So, for, I, for right I, now, I'm all in. I am... More often than not, almost always, I'm all about the moderation. I don't know what the hell happened last Thursday where I just turned on the the Vince switch, but I I, I was just reminded why I'm I'm all about the moderation. But um, what are you drinking, Jason? I am drinking some G Zero uh, Cherry Glacier. <laughs> okay. <laughs> why are you laughing? I don't know why I find it so funny, but it is. G zero. First time, not the first time I've drank that. Yeah, I know, but it's just the way you, just the way you say it. it. Sounds like Howard Cosell on on, on assignment. I'm drinking G zero. <laughs> you brought a Howard Cosell. Oh shit! Talk about dating yourself. Well, I'm old. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Lord. Uh, I am. Um... Enjoying a uh, small glass of Flat Top Hills Cabernet Sauvignon from California, um, bottled in uh, 2017. So nice. Once I finish this, I have a uh, big ass bottle of uh, water to chase it with. Excellent. We need to talk about some comics here. Mm-hmm. That'd be nice. Yes. And uh, before we get super deep in, mm-hmm. in stuff we, we haven't talked about, I just want to um, 
genuflect a little bit uh, in front of, uh, well, I have the work in my hands right now, and I believe we all have it, and many of our uh, patrons have it, because this week and last week on the Slack, uh, what we tend to do is whenever we get mail, some you know we'll take a picture and we'll be like, mail call, and be like, here's our mail. And this book has popped up many, many times on the Slack over the past two weeks. And I just, I, like, my heart was filled with joy when I actually had it in my hands because it's a 10-year project. It's the culmination of 10 years of this man's life. And I got to say, in terms of sheer beauty, it's very rare when you when you get something contemporary that can hold its own with anything on your shelves, anything. And I believe wholeheartedly that this book uh, can and does. It's by our boo. I love him much more than Jason and David put together, but that's okay. Um, it's Cancor by Matthew Ellison. And he just, he what was the thing? Fundraiser with the ZR? Something like that? Yeah, with exactly right. Fundraiser. Yeah, he, he had a fundraiser. And um, uh, the the culmination, the, the end point was a collected edition, hardcover, spot varnish, uh, beautiful um, clay coat. This seems like a textured clay coat uh, cover. Yeah. Um, just full color, heavy paper. It's gorgeous, man. It is so beautiful. And it just, like I said, it just, it, it you know, I, I didn't well up or anything, but we know what the guy put into this. And to have a beautiful collection of all his work in you know under uh, hard covers, it's just it's a it's a joy and it's a privilege to own this. And I just want to say, add a boy, Matthew Allison, because this is a it's a masterpiece. It really is. Definitely concur with that on all fronts. I mean, it is beautiful. I mean, it's 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 shelf porn. You know, we all have a love for shelf porn these beautiful collected editions and uh he he put his he put the attention to detail in every facet of this book oh it's crazy yeah yeah, yeah. and there are some um i was looking at the the what's it called the pile of spent microns or whatever the, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah the sketch, the, there's a ronin image in there oh my god it's just like there's next level and then there's matthew allison standing at the top looking down on everybody else like he's just almost without peer and it's crazy that yeah. you know i'm guy, just in awe of what he does with microns it's uh, it's so weird right I, it's <laughs> it's so weird but hey who's to fault him when you look at the 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 work and oh, the work sure. is 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 outstanding and it's like if, yeah. if that's the way you need to get to the finish line then who's to say, right? It's just, uh, there have been a ton of artists over the millennia who use tools in ways that for which they were never intended, right? And this guy does it, and it's just another sign of genius, I think. So it's true. Yeah, I there's a uh, I'm, I'm I have two commissions from Matthew, but I do have a page from Cancor that. Uh, um, is one of my favorite pages from it because it's not it's it's a subtle page but it's I just love the work in it and and so I very happy to have it and um, 
as far as the sketchbook, um, we know who owns that uh, Flash. Yes. Homage cover. Um, the sketchbook is absolutely fantastic. Again, I mean, it's it's you see what he does in sequentials when it comes time to putting Kanker out, but the the commissions, the amount of work he puts in, I, it's the, the bang for your buck. You, I, it's it's absolutely stunning. I, I the man is a phenomenal talent, and yep. uh, I just I, I need to see more from him. But holy crap, I just. Yep. That's a fair. I was thinking about this moment and I was going to lead with, you know, I don't want to blow smoke up the guy's rectum, right? And then I was thinking, where did that come from? Where did that phrase originate? Blow smoke up someone's ass. Like, because that hmm. does, that's, yeah, that's true. That doesn't seem like a desirable thing to me. Like, if right. someone said, hey, come here, I want to blow smoke up your ass, you'd be like, no. Why would, no, I don't want you doing that like where did that come from this is just a brief aside it's just so strange yeah that's fair yeah just thinking out loud but uh uh big bear hugs to matthew allison um cannot wait to see what we're gonna get next no doubt yes he's hard at work on it we can say that much yep so let's uh whoops Let's talk some 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 comics here. What do you got? Well, I got a book that you were gobsmacked <laughs> that I would be uh, evolved enough to read. Yeah, evolved. Yeah, it's it's just odd to me that that you read it. It's and, so odd because it's not that it's 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 so unusual for me to read a Fantagraphics book. I only no, like every, like every now, book that Fantagraphics puts out. See, you're putting a spin on it. That's <laughs> you are because there there are many many different genres under the fanographics umbrella, but I would think that um, a Matthew Thurber kind of and it, it you know it's not too far away from Megan Mog. That's definitely in the same universe as sure. Hanselman. So yeah, so so we're talking about Dog Biscuits, written and drawn by Alex Graham. And uh, it's interesting that you bring up Simon Hanselman, your boy, because Hanselman is um, hugely important to this book getting to the prominence that it, it got to. Um, for those who don't know anything about Dog Biscuits, uh, it was um, uh, it was basically an, an Instagram webcomic. Um, so from... June 17th, 2020 through January 12th, 2021, uh, uh, Graham posted six panel, so like one comic page, uh, uh, pieces of the story on Instagram uh, upwards of two or three times a day uh, over that span of time and, uh, and told the story. And then the reason Simon Hanselman comes into play is that uh, Hanselman was doing Crisis Zone at the same time, and he started touting Dog Biscuits uh, on his social media and praising it. And he said that Dog Biscuits was, for him, the best piece of media produced by anyone in 2020. Uh, Alex really stepped up to the plate with with this thing and had all of us uh, that were turned in on the edge of our seats Gussie and Rosie's doomed romance felt realer than any bullshit happening in the real world. 
so your boy Hanselman um, was somewhat of a a mentor or a Kickstarter or both oh. for for now. To be fair, Alex Graham had had, had was already an accomplished uh, cartoonist and indie comics creator, so it's it's not like this is Alex's first work, but but I think it's certainly her breakthrough work, at least in terms of breaking through into the to the whatever we call the the mainstream of comics consumption. Um, but uh, but but they took. Uh, she worked out a deal with Fantagraphics, who took all of her Instagram uh, uh, panels and turned it into this beautiful hardcover that I am holding in my hands. And uh, you know, even though the 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 comic strip only ran for um, what a, a month and a half, a couple months, um, it's it's nearly four hundred pages of uh, of comic. Um, so what's it about? Well, it's 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 a COVID comic essentially. So forewarned for anyone listening, if if you are still at a place where the idea of reading about or reliving or or uh, considering COVID uh, like is tedious to you or, or frustrating or, or off-putting, then this isn't for you. Uh, this is this is very much a comic set in the early times of COVID and uh, it's, it's effectively a slice of life comic set in Seattle uh, about that time. It was also coincident with the George Floyd aftermath. So uh, this also not only deals with COVID, but the rage a lot of us felt and continue to feel over systemic racism. So it's all intertwined and it's really a story revolving around three people. There's a large ensemble cast, but, but the, the main characters are uh, Gussie, who is the owner of an or the the, the, the titular dog biscuit? Uh, there's a dog. He owns a dog biscuit store. They make high end dog biscuits for clientele in Seattle. And um, and Gussie's 49 years old, uh, kind of a schleppy, lovable loser. Has always had trouble with intimacy, finding love, um, and like a lot of small businesses during the pandemic is barely hanging on by a thread, right? Because needless to say, um, you know, when people are locked down in their homes, going out to get dog biscuits isn't exactly a high priority. Uh, and then Rosie is his effectively only employee. And um, she's much younger. She's probably in her mid twenties because they do over the course of the book, make remarks about her being about him being nearly twice her age. So she's probably in her, her late, late twenties would be my guess. Um, and she's like, you know, like a cool, hip, it artsy girl. She works at the store part time, but she, um, you know, she's she's got a lot going on. Um, and then the third person uh, involved here is named Hissy, like Hissy Fit. And uh, I should mention these are an- this is an anthropomorphic comic of sorts. Um, you can, if you're, if you're familiar with Alex's work, it's a very, very. You know, very scratchy, raw. You know, confident. Like put 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 the ink down on the page and move on. It, these are not like tight anatomy. These are more um, expressive panels. Um, but but they are the characters are in in intended to be anthropomorphic. Um, but I wouldn't say there's a consistent model. But uh, but in essence, they are. Uh, Gussie is is a dog, like a Pluto esque type dog. Hissy is a frog, and um, and I'm not, you know, I'm honestly not sure what Rosie is. I think Rosie's either a rabbit or some other kind of rodent. I'm going to probably go with rabbit um, because of the way her ears are drawn. She's got like kind of big rabbit teeth. So I'm going to guess she's a rabbit, but they don't ever explicitly say, or at least I don't remember them saying. Um, but this is basically a book about their lives during this crazy time. 
and it's somewhat of a love triangle. Uh, Hissy is Rosie's roommate. He is a he's he's a, a a very confident, attractive, bisexual man who, in the early going, is dating um, a, a man and breaks up with him. Uh, he also happens though to have a huge crush on Rosie, and Rosie, in the meantime, is has a crush on her boss Gussie, um, and also has a huge crush on Hissy. So, uh, and Gussie, the owner of the store, has a crush on Rosie. In fact, he thinks he's in love with her, but he's very reluctant to act on it because um, she's half his age, he thinks she's out of his league, uh, and most importantly, being that she's the only other employee of the store, he worries that if he tries to make a move and or they, they, they do get involved and it doesn't work out, that yeah. he's going to go out of business because she's the only other person that can help run the store. That's a concern. Um, yeah. Yeah, right. Well, especially in this period of time. And 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 the each it, this book reads very much like it was intended where each page is essentially its own strip. You know, she 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 did it on Instagram but like a comic strip where each of the six panels tells its own story and a lot of them have have um, you know, uh, uh, cliffhangers or 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 climactic moments. So there's a a very familiar kind of pacing throughout the book like each you know, it's not like there aren't there's no ebb and flow in the in the spacing or timing of this book. It's very much like panel to panel. You get the sense of it. And, and it all takes place over the course of a few weeks tops. Maybe even a few days. I think it's a few weeks tops. Um, but it's messy. They all get involved. They all have other issues. They, there's online dating. They're they're full of rage over. There's a an, a, an early incident, which you crack up with that. Like, it's a, it's a whole Karen incident. Uh, this, this, this woman comes in to get dog biscuits, and she doesn't have a mask on. And... Rosie's like, ma'am, you can't come in here without a mask. And of course, like, she's like, you guys believe that garbage, blah, blah, blah. And like, it just goes on from there. And Rosie's filming her and she goes on tilt and starts talking about, you know, uh, you people and, and races. You know, it's like it's, it's a classic Karen thing. And um, and there's just a, it's a lot of biting satire about uh, the angst, particularly of, of the younger generation. I mean, this is a, a, and the, the, you know, kind of the Gen Z generation and what they were dealing with and their frustrations with government and police. And there's a lot of, of, of police criticism and, and brutality in this. And uh, there's a lot of like definitely messy dating and sexual escapades where, uh, especially with COVID and, and, and the risks people are willing to take to, to, to have sex or to get laid or to have intimacy um, and it's the other thing that's that I loved about it is it doesn't end. This isn't a fairy tale. I mean, these people have complicated, messy lives. They have neuroses. They have fears and frustrations, and they get angry. and And it doesn't, you know, I'm not going to spoil the book, but it doesn't it doesn't have a happy ending. It's not like they all. It's not like you know they fall in love and 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 run off into the sunset. It's 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 not like that. So. Um, you know, I've talked a lot of years about slice of life comics, and sometimes they hit me really hard, and sometimes I I, I don't connect with them. Um, and this is definitely the the former. I I damn it. Um, oh, yeah, that upsets you. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I thought it was terrific. I really did. I I I I think that Alex, it, the key to a slice of life comic, at least for me, is you have to get me to care about the characters quickly, right? Because in a, it. By definition, most slice of life comics, particularly 400 page ones, are mundane, right? Like you're you're essentially looking at little moments of these people's lives. Many of those moments inherently are not going to be very exciting because they're just normal people. They're not superheroes or or space pirates or aliens, right? So, I mean, a lot of 
the panels are going to be them dealing with just normal shit. Um, so you have to convey it in a way that it engages you. And uh, there's a bit of a secret sauce there. I don't know that I've figured out the formula for, for how some can pull it off and some don't pull it off. But but uh, but in this case, Alex very much pulled it off. And um, I think for me, th- enough time has passed from those moments two years ago in the height of the pandemic when I think all of our anxiety levels were on full red line. I know mine was. Um, while I can't say I feel great about the state of the world right now for lots of reasons we don't need to get into, uh, I, I definitely think we're we're past the, um, you know, the, the very worst of how we were feeling about the COVID pandemic, at least personally. Uh, enough that I was able to read this with, a, I think, a, a, a fresh, clean opinion of it without being feeling like it was uh, it was making me anxious or, or, or was too nerve wracking to revisit that. So uh, but but again, I'm sure some people listening, it's probably too soon. And if it is, don't buy this book yet or don't read it yet. Uh, but for me, it, it was perfectly fine to read it now, and uh, and I think it's terrific. I mean, I, 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 at the risk of pulling a Vince hyperbole, I mean, I'd say it's a masterpiece. And to mm-hmm. be fair, one of the reasons I ordered this when it was solicited, uh, well, a, I, I generally do trust Fantagraphics to put out great stuff. But but when I was doing, as I always do, the that meta compilation list of all the best of lists of comics that we get each year, uh, that I provide to um, to people for for help when they're researching what they might want to uh, nominate for the 11 o'clockers um, of all the lists I compiled dog biscuits was one of the, the things that was most often named in the best of lists. Um, I don't have the, the list open now, but I'm pretty sure it was on eight or nine lists, you know, which was not the top thing, but it was right up there with, uh, with a couple other things for, for the things that were most, most often cited as one of the best of the year. I think it was tied with monsters as an example. Um, so yeah, very much recommend it. Um, you know, you know, you're always going to get a great package from Fantagraphics. The work itself is, is it's a beautiful, like I said, a beautiful hardcover. Um, it's certainly great bang for your buck. And, uh, I read it in one sitting, uh, this week, even though it was 400 pages and there's a ton of dialogue because again, it is a slice of life comic, but, um, yeah, I, I give it the highest recommendation. I think that the, this is a case where the hype was, uh, was well-founded. Because this was a hot book. I mean, it's a hyped book. It wasn't like one of those things you kind of just stumble upon and discover and then say, oh, what a, what a fun thing. Let me share it with people. I mean, this is a book that a lot of our listeners are already intimately familiar with, I'm sure. Uh, probably many read it on Instagram. Um, and I might say, for, for those of you that are budget conscious or whatever, if you really do, I mean, you and you haven't done so, you can you can read this whole thing on Instagram, on Alex Graham's Instagram, if, you, if you'd rather do it that way. Um, but, you know, hey, throw some shekels into her pocket. Yeah, or... She, she, She's going to make a living. You could take advantage of the current sale at Fanagraphics, the uh, San Diego sure. uh, sale. There's 25% off. There you go. So uh, either way, just read it. Yeah. Well, um, I guess that I will leaven your uh, current events with some comics should be ridiculous. Okay. Because um, this this book is very ridiculous. Uh, it is loaded with pseudoscience and if you try to make sense out of said pseudoscience it's all going to fall apart it's it's just best to um go in under the auspices of um yeah i believe this could happen and you'll enjoy it because i sure did it uh was written and drawn by someone named kent one name like madonna published by seven seas 
<laughs> they are slowly climbing to the, uh, well, not slowly, but uh, quickly climbing to my list of favorite publishers. It's called Colorless, and this is the first volume, and it is ridiculously high concept. I'll tell you about it. There was an event 300 years prior to the current events in the book in which the earth was pelted by a massive solar flare. Uh-oh. It's dangerous. Could happen. Uh, the survivors dubbed the event the Mercy Pulse. And it, uh, there was an electromagnetic pulse that rendered all of Earth's silicon-based technology useless. So computers, fakakta, hard drives wiped, uh, medical equipment, mm -mm, not using it. Uh, it also, as I said, erased all of humanity's data. And here's where it gets a little weird. The pulse was so strong that it stripped the Earth of color. As I said, don't try and figure it out. Uh, but if that wasn't enough, the survivors of the pulse were mutated. And they, in turn, passed the mutation down to their offspring. Um, the mutation is called progenitis. It's the ancestor disease. Don't try and look it up because there's no such thing as progenitis. Um, but so in this universe, the human form looks vastly different than humanity looked before the mercy pulse. They're warped and distorted and some look reptilian, some take on an avian um, body type and facial features. They, they look more animal than human. Um, so that's where the story starts. It's 300 years after the fact. Uh, into this stew is dropped somebody named Professor Avidia. You have to install special drivers for him. Uh, and he specializes <laughs> he specializes in chromodynamics. Ooh, what could that mean? Well, you'll see. Uh, Avi, as his friends call him, he seeks to secure the last remaining samples of color. He's, this world is in black and white. There, there, there's no color. So there's heavy cloud cover. Uh, what sunlight does manage to, to reach humanity is ambient at best, right? So dull, gray, dingy, downtrodden. It's a sci-fi noir, and it looks it, right? So um, he's trying to find the last remaining samples of color, which he um, postulates hold great power. So much so that this color can be used to not only recover humanity's lost technology, but surpass it. So he's not alone in his quest. There exists a group of fanatics that have deified color. Color is now elevated to the, the stature of a god. And they're known as the Eodopsy Order, or just the Order for short. Um, they were once relatively benign, but um, the Order has begun to dip its tendrils into government and finance and organized crime. They, they, they didn't just tiptoe over the line. They leapt over it, right? So Avi seeks to thwart them at every turn. I got to get, you know, this color is very important. I don't know how one would secure color, but he has a stockpile of it. And that's where this book um, goes high concept. Like I said, it's all black and white, 
but whenever Avi uses the color, there are splashes of color on the black and white pages. It's really cool. Like he's got a secret room. It's he's a little bit on the Batman side, a little bit shadow. Um, he's got a mask. He, he wears his long winged trench coat thing, and he's all high tech. Uh, you know, cyber sort of pseudo cyber weaponry. Um, and he's got this mask that kind of looks like Gridman to me, without the the fin. But that's neither here nor there. But he's got a secret room in his place that has all these vials of color. And when you open the page, it's in black and white, but the contents of each vial is in shocking, uh, maybe cyan mixed with a little bit of green. And it's really visually striking. So, um, but Avi loves tea. See, this is, it's manga, right? So it's not without its quirks. Uh, he loves tea. Uh, in particular, uh, a brew that is served at a local place by a very, very specific server, a young lady. And, and like I said, she's avian in, in countenance, uh, who, much to his dismay, has recently gone missing. She got kidnapped. And Avi's buddy, this um, being known as Covetus, he's a rotund, reptilian-looking character who seemingly has no bottom to his stomach. He eats all the time. But the guy's connected, right? He, he, he knows what's going on in the shadows. He has sources and informers and all that stuff. And, and he, was, he, he got the lowdown that the order was involved in the girl's disappearance. And that's all the motivation that, that Avi needs. And I'll cut to the chase because there's a whole mess of stuff going on in this book. Um, Avi rescues the, the young lady from the clutches of these thugs that were under the order's employ. And uh, in doing so, they, they're in a, this, this armored truck thing and they go off a bridge and he manages to save the girl and her name is Chie. And she's grazed by, the bu- by a bullet in the process. It just grazes her, her face, but it wasn't a face, it was a mask. And when the mask crumbles, she's a perfect example of what humanity looked like before the mercy pulse. And this raises many questions. Like I said, 300 years in the past, this thing happened. And this girl looks maybe 21 at best. So nowhere near 300 years old. So how? Like, I don't, it's a mystery, right? And to make it even more sweet of a pot, she has these fleeting flashes of insight into another life and she can't decipher it but maybe it'll make sense over time so avi keeps him around because number one mystery number two she could be very important in unlocking the power of this color there's a lot going on and like i said it's very rich in concept um from what i'm told this is another sweet uh facet of this the series ends with the seventh volume. So not a major investment like other manga series. And this one is is well worth it because what Seven Seas have done, because there are flashes of color in addition to the black and white, it's not printed on cheap paper. It's, It's printed on a paper that will hold the color as well as the black ink. So upscale paper, and this one amazed me 
there's a, a very insightful and incredibly subtle bit of design wizardry tied to the concept of the series. It's right on the cover. It's damn brilliant. The On the cover and the title page and the contents page, the typography, which on the you can see it on the cover, but it's more obvious on the uh, title page and the contents page, which feature a black background with white text overlaid, right? But if you look at the text, what they did was they shifted the color plates very, very slightly. And the all around the edges of the type, you can see process color, but the just a really thin stroke of, of uh, magenta and yellow. And on the other side, you can see a little bit of cyan. Like it's nuts that it's in black and white, but there's clandestine ver like uh, flashes of color. That's what the whole book is about. And to do, to visualize that just with typography and a little bit of color, you really got to get up on top of it to see it. Not on the cover. It's pretty obvious on the cover. Um, but on, on these two pages, you got to get up on it. But once you see it, you're like, holy shit, that is amazing. That they, that not only that they could conceive of that little um, conceptual flourish, but that it ties in so well with what the book is about. It's a great, and, and Kent's art, woof, good Lord, you need to see it. I don't know where this guy came from. I think this is his first work. Uh, he's just incredible. Um, he's got that Kevin Eastman grittiness step, but his, his rendering is more, it's not as cartoony as, as Eastman, but, um, maybe like, a a uh, an Eric Talbot. Yes. That's a good comparison. Oh. Yeah. Maybe like Eric Talbot. Um, it's, it's rough and textured, a lot of, uh, mark making and brush strokes and it's it's wonderful it's just an amazing thing to look at so if you're looking for something new that just started um but be aware they solicited both volumes two and three in the new previews so in for a penny in for a pound if you're going to start reading this you're going to have to buy two volumes at once if you solicit um businesses that use the previews catalog to order because two of them are offered at once which is kind of dirty carpool it, but whatever it's only going to be seven volumes so i'm looking the other way for now plus it's so beautiful and is very rich in concepts it's kind of silly a guy you know a professor trying to scoop up the last remnants of color and there was something about the the mercy pulse that it 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 turned color into powder and there's power, there's power in the powder, and he uses it for his gun. And it, it like, just don't think too much about it, and it'll be fun. So, uh, Colorless, uh, Volume One, Words and Pictures by Kent. It is really, really good. Sounds very good. It does sound cool. Man. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it there's an edge of superheroics in it, and it there's a, an edge of RoboCop in it too, a bit <laughs> that the 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 nasty order. Um, they scooped up the ne'er-do-wells who went over the bridge and they're cybernetically augmenting them to go after Kent. And that's what happens three quarters into the book. This thing comes back and it's he's very different than the way he started. He's got spider legs and it's just really neat to look at. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. N not a whole lot of heavy lifting, 
just um, rampant silliness, pseudoscience silliness. It's fun. Seven C's for the win. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, man, we we we've been uh, hitting them up quite a bit, and I love it. Ah, they do good work. Yes, they do. I you think so. Get on them topless, son. Seriously. You got our addresses? It's worth paying for. Oh, bro. Okay. <laughs> hey, seven C's, call me. <sighs> Love you. That's right. <laughs> uh, so there was... Um, uh, I received a box of goodies. A box of goodies that um, didn't make it back to uh, Jersey with us because... Um, we bought more shit than would fit and not keep our suitcases light. So uh, our good friend Mario um, shipped the uh, few things that uh, he drove home with, um, including the rye from uh, Rick Savage, which is really tasty. So thank you for that, Rick. Um, but I read uh, one of the first things I picked up out of the box uh, was a little uh, little OGN called Onion Skin by Edgar Camacho. And I picked this up at, um, I believe it was the, the table in the middle section. It had the uh, the boxes of the uh, the final trades and I think like the 10 or so dollar hardcovers or whatnot. So we were there throughout the weekend just going through the inventory as it was getting um, replenished. But this, I remember seeing this in previews. It didn't make the cut. Um, when I placed my order, it's uh, it's it's... Published by Top Shelf, so it was in the uh, the IDW section back when they were in the front of the catalog. And this is a, it's it's kind of, it's a funky story. Um, the reason why it caught my eye is because there's a there's a food truck right on the cover. Um, it's the winner of Mexico's first ever National Young Graphic Novel Award, so that's pretty cool. Um, this uh, this does take place south of the border. Our two main characters are Rolando and Nira. And and the storytelling isn't very linear. Uh, we're introduced to uh, Rolando having lunch with a friend of his. Um, and he, uh, he has a cast on his arm and he's been fired from his job. Uh, he was going to quit, but they fired him so that he could... Um, he could get severance, but um, that's some time ago. When when the book actually starts, there's a bit of a uh, high speed chase. The food truck is zipping through uh, a desert road, being chased by a couple of bikers. Um, one of the bikers ends up actually uh, going off a cliff. Uh, he survives and. Uh, and the food truck gets away, and one of the bikers with long, white, flowing hair, uh, she says, we'll meet again. And it's, you know, dot, dot, dot. Very ominous. Um, but when we get to some time ago, with Rolando uh, commiserating to his friend, um, he's kind of in a downward spiral. He has no idea what he's going to do now. Um no prospects, no work, can't really do much with, with, with his one good arm. Um, so he's kind of wallowing a little bit. Uh, on the flip side of that is uh, is Nira, who's kind of um, 
a free slash restless spirit. Uh, she lives in a um, in a rundown food truck uh, that's you know on blocks, no tires, doesn't work, doesn't run. Uh, spoiler alert: it's the same food truck that uh, we see earlier in the story, so it does get fixed up. Um, and while Orlando is is kind of just chilling in his room, binging on TV shows, just picking out on potato chips. Um, he, uh, his roommates are like, listen, we gotta, we gotta get you out of the house. You, you've just, you've been here too long. You haven't, you're not doing anything. Let's get out of the house. Let's go have some dinner. Let's, let's, let's have a fun night. Um, and they go to the Arcadio where, uh, Nira is staring at a, uh, a poster for a band called, um, Moxizuma's Revenge. Uh, unfortunately, the concert is at the Arcadio on the other side of town. Uh, so, Rolando and Nira split a uh, split a cab. Uh, he leaves his roommates because they don't feel like schlepping across town. So, so, so they're going to stay here and hang out. Um, and uh, and and again, because of the way the storytelling breaks down. So, so basically, we. When Rolando sees Nira for the first time, he's looking at her back. The next page is our heroes after they escaped from the bikers. So there's like it's 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 just it's kind of going back and forth. And obviously because the the the, the color scheme is pretty much the same regardless of when the story that's being told is taking place. It's basically just on their their clothes or um, is is how you can really tell that uh we're we're we've made a jump um but the gist is they uh they they pretty much become friends at the concert uh they uh they go for a couple of beers afterwards they basically spend the whole night walking and talking uh he gets blotto and and ends up um crashing at her food truck um the next day they have breakfast and they're going to um you know, we'll keep in touch, and and he just you know goes back to his place, and she uh, she's kind of just living her life. And after some time has passed, he ends up remembering he was he he didn't keep her name, he didn't keep her contact info with her name, and he had no idea because he was so drunk what her number was under in his contacts. And uh, when she let her hair down, he he says that she looked like a lion. And that's how he had her in his phone as uh, as Lion Girl. So he calls her. He's got um, he's got some money from his job. He wants to do something with his life. And and you know he's like, let's just do something. Let's let's fix up this food truck. Let's you like cooking. Uh, let's just do something. And and so they decide to. And she's got she's got a couple of plants that she uh, the herbs that. Uh, she ends up spicing up the uh, flavoring the food with adding in the recipes. And it seems to be a big hit. The bikers are this gang called um, the hell pigs and they, their, their day jobs, they have a food truck and one of the gang members goes and uh, tries their food and is threatened by them. So they, they, um, they basically the 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 bikers trash the food truck, 
um, run off with the plants, and then our, our heroes have to uh, get revenge. They, 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 there's a um, there's a food truck festival, so uh, they they fix the truck up. They go to the festival. Um, he recognizes the the gang member who uh, who ordered their food and, and and made us think about it. So he knows exactly, and, and he looks inside the uh, the driver's side window. He sees the plants back there, so he knows exactly what to do. Uh, they steal the plants. The bikers get after them. Uh, huge, huge chase. Uh, a lot of action towards the the, the last half of the book. Um, Edgar's art is. I like it. It's 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 cartoony. It's it's not based in realism really in in, in any way. Um, it's very quirky style. Uh, it's a style that I've seen before. It I just I'm drawing a blank as to who really to compare it to. Uh, but as I'm I, I'm nearing the end of the book and I'm like and 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 their lives are still going on. I'm like I don't know. Like is this I'm wondering as I'm nearing the end of this book that if this is just like the first volume or something and I have to, but it does, it, 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 there is a, there is an ending to the story. It, it, it's not abrupt or anything. It was, it, it was paced really well. I was just based on all my other years of reading. Um, I was expecting things maybe to be padded out a little bit more. It, it just, it, it reads really well. Um, I was, I was really, really happy with it. I thought the, um, thought the conversations that all the characters had, uh, especially with um it's not like anybody really even falls in love this isn't supposed to be a love story this isn't uh he's not do- he basically i mean Orlando really just wants to do something different with his life and this is the perfect opportunity and 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 Nier is really just so carefree and and she moves around a lot that you know it just them meeting each other uh really worked out um their benefit but it it's a um it's it's an extremely entertaining tale i uh i i dug a lot of the characters were cool um i uh i it it it, and it continues the whole kind of um parallel timelines as 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 you near the uh the end of the book um and it fits really well together i think this was uh I think this is pretty solid by uh, by Edgar. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what else uh, Edgar Camacho does from here on out. But um, but yeah, I thought I, I thought Onion Skin was a lot of fun. Um, bummed that uh, you know I didn't I didn't get it when it was origi- when it originally came out. Kind of kind of sad I waited so long to finally get my hands on it and read it. But uh, but hey, it, it, it it was worth the wait. I um, definitely recommend it if you see it. Um, Based on uh, knowing what uh, the slackers like, things like that, I, I, I think more than a few people would uh, would seriously dig this. So, pick it up if you can. Onion skin, Edgar Camacho. Golden them damn boxes. Yeah, seriously. I, uh, so this this book was a book that was on my list. We have on Slack for having read to discuss for two months, and I never got around to discussing it last year. I knew it sounded familiar. Yeah, yeah, I got I, I bought it as when it was solicited and read it, but I never did. I'm pretty sure I never actually discussed it on the show. I don't think you did. Yeah, but I, I concur with everything you said, and and I think his art style actually for me it reminds me a lot of Warwick Johnson Catwell, 
Um, very different subject matter, obviously. I mean, Cadwell's mostly known for the Higgins Manola books that it, you know the Falcons. Yeah, were, yeah, okay. You know, that that same angular body type and whatnot, but uh, you know, this is a totally different uh, vibe of a book. But but I really, yeah, I'm same with you. I really liked it too. Cool. I guess we're we're just all we're big fans of the uh, of the of the food truck subgenre of comics. And yeah. added to that, um, the uh, the shop did have the first volume of Crazy Food Truck, so I picked that up yesterday, and I am on the um, the pull list for uh, for the series. So when the second volume comes out, I'll have it. Yeah, and, and and if you throw in Flake from Matthew Dooley from 2020, then uh, uh, that's no, that's another uh, food truck book that I adore. So there you go. Food trucks for the win, Vince. Yeah, we'll get Vince on there. Hey, I read and enjoyed Crazy Food Truck. Yes, you did. You did. did you? Actually. Don't forget to order the second volume. It's already paid for. Oh, look at you. Yep. Love it. Sec, that's mixing the sexy with the food truck. Yeah. I mean, even true. even though they get into, you know, the foodie uh, approach about the, the the preciousness about making food. That's right. Yeah. Oh, whatever. I mean, it's, yeah. show me, hush. show me titties. Hush. Oh boy! <laughs> Why not both? Yeah, well, you do. You get that exactly. in Crazy Food Truck. You get both. Maybe I'll even learn something. How about that? I can only hope. What else A-hip. do we have? A hip. Jason. Maybe, maybe you'll learn something, Vincent. Maybe I will. You, do you, you never know. You want to talk about something you read? Man. Do I? I don't know. Do I? <laughs> you're, you're teasing me. Um, well, I will say quickly. I mean, there's not a lot to say because the first issue was pretty much of a setup. But you had asked uh, before we started recording because you saw on my list the closet. Um, the closet is um, uh, the fir- first. The closet. The closet number one is the is the first issue of a three issue miniseries um the latest in a ever increasing almost gobsmacking long line of um of uh horror comics by james tynan the fourth uh this is his latest and um it is drawn by gavin fullerton who some may remember as the artist of bog bodies written by our good friend declan shalvey ah yes um so uh irish comic creators represent um it's an existential family horror book um there's a dude named tom who is uh sitting at a bar drinking cocktails when he's supposed to be getting packing tape to bring home because his wife and he are packing up their house to move cross country and he is uh lamenting to the bartender about the fact that uh, his son jamie is seeing having horrible nightmares about monsters in his closet and his wife wants to uh you know take him to a doctor see if they can treat it and he just doesn't understand because he's like we're we're leaving the house we're moving to a new home across the country so it's gonna the problem's gonna take care of itself um but uh but but when he gets home having pretty much failed at his mission of getting I mean, he's hours late. His wife's been packing up the house the whole the whole day. He, she can smell the alcohol on him, so she's pissed off at him. Um, and not only that, but the tape he brings back is fucking masking tape. 
So she's like, just she's just like, hey, she's like, yeah, this guy's an imbecile. Um, but uh, the kiddo, they put the kid out of the bed, and and he's reluctant to go to bed. And uh, well, we we get a glimpse of the creature that he is um, seeing. Now we're not sure whether it is in his mind or if it's real. But seeing as how it's a tied-in horror comic, I'm guessing it is real. And uh, it's pretty much a setup for what I assume will be the... Uh, we'll start start hitting the uh, speedometer in issue number two because it is only a three-issue series. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, Tynan is, is quickly becoming the king of horror. I mean, he's... I don't know how many horror comics one can write at the same time and have them all be good and commercial successes, but he is pushing the envelope on that front. Hmm. Well, thank you for bringing this up because now we have an image-o-rama. Look at that. How about that? What else you want to talk about? Um, well, I will mention that I did catch up on two comics that I've talked about before, uh, giving Marvel and DC a little bit of love. Nightwing, number 91 through 94. And She-Hulk, numbers four and five, both delightful, continue to be great, continue to be two of my favorite superhero comics. Um, I just think they're, the characters are engaging, the supporting casts are wonderful, the art is terrific, they're lighthearted uh, where they need to be, but there's plenty of action. Um, I, I, as I mentioned with She-Hulk number one, I'm just so thrilled to have Jen Walters back. You know, the Burn-esque lawyer who's got uh, the, the comic is as much a, a, a slice of life romance comic as it is a, a superhero comic. And I'm so, I was so sick of, 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 of dumb, over over muscular, muscular raging She-Hulk that we yeah. got in the Avengers books for the last few years. So so it's 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 they're both terrific. I mean, I don't need to spend a lot of time praising Nightwing. It, it's I've talked about my love for the book for going on two years now and it continues to be great so um if if the people out there listening haven't tried it by now they're they're probably not going to i mean they probably just don't like the character or something so uh don't need to go into it beyond that but um i don't know man bruno redondo is a beast he's he is a uh i i i'm loving him on this book but i'm also excited to see what what book he does next because i think he's really coming to his own as one of the one of the pitch perfect superhero illustrators that are out there these days sweet two books you're not going to read but no, no. <laughs> this, this is true I, <laughs> I i did read the first issue of new fantastic four mm -hmm. it was okay I, I, it, I assumed it was going to be an it's okay book though. So I'm yeah, sure. it's I mean it's Peter David. It, there, there's a, a, a you know a priest that that stumbles upon a demon in in the undercity, and he you know you initially think it's the mole man, but it's it's this demon, and somehow the priest summons uh, Mister Fixit, uh, Grey Hulk, Wolverine. So it's set in that time mm -hmm. period. Uh, you know, Spider-Man and Ghost Rider. And it, it, it wasn't horrible, but um, I, I'm not compelled to read beyond the first issue. Right. Yeah. yeah. But um, just to get back to the image-o-rama, uh, I, I don't see it on your your uh, your list, and I'm wondering why it's not there. 
be, because I read Skybound 10, number 25. And? And those, I mean, I, I had, far be it from me. I mean, it's a Kirkman project. To, I don't know why I love Skybound 10 so much. But um, the the previous uh, mini and uh, this, and if you're listening and you're like, wait a minute, 25? How did mm-hmm. how did they get to twenty five? What's the deal here? Well, it's it's an homage to that that period in time, and it's nineteen ninety five when Stormwatch, Supreme, Bloodstrike, and Brigade all jumped from their last issue number and continuity, and they they jumped to the twenty fifth issue in each series. And then with the issues that followed, the number and the continuity returned to where they were before the jump. And it was a neat little glimpse into the future, and it, it challenged the writers to you know, plant seeds that would bear fruit should the books actually reach their 25th or 26th issue, but most of them didn't. I think um, Bloodstrike... Didn't Michelle Fife do something with Bloodstrike? Uh, yes. Getting to the, yeah. Is it Bloodstrike or Brigade? I think it was Bloodstrike. I think it was Bloodstrike. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, Fife did, the, he did the, the, the Bloodstrike, like, strike files thing. Yeah. So um, it, it's a neat little, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink to that, that, that image comics period of time. But it's an anthology, just like all the other Skybound 10 books. And um, there are four stories. I thought three of them were wonderful. One of them I won't talk about. <laughs> but you know, it's an anthology, right? You, it's 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 minestrone. You take what you can get. Sometimes you like it, and sometimes it just doesn't connect. And one story just didn't resonate with me on any level. So, but the thing that did the most was, and again, big surprise, a Kirkman story. And it's drawn by Ryan Otley. Uh, it's pulled from the the Invincible continuity, and it's about Battle Beast. You remember Battle Beast? Yes, of course. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I would imagine a lot of people out there listening are watching the Invincible cartoon on Amazon. Let me get some Battle what? Beast in that. No kidding! I didn't know that. That's awesome. Maybe that's why they did this. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a very it's a fleeting story. It's only uh, eight pages, uh, and you get Thok of Dorn, the perpetually pissed off battle beast, and he's scouring the cosmos for someone or something that can um, stem his overpowering rage. He seeks to find a worthy opponent, uh, but uh, alas, after beating the crap out of Mark in the Guardians of the Globe. His search continues. So it's it's in direct continuity to Invincible, I think it's 19, uh, Thok's first appearance. And so um, these aliens told him, hey, you want a challenge? You go to Earth. There's a bunch of beings there that will give you a, a – yeah, they'll, they'll put you through your paces and give you that, that um, challenge you're looking for. And it didn't work out that way. So he returns to the alien ship. And he kills everybody on board. And it's it's a Kirkman book, so it is bloody as hell. Um, and he spends the next 
uh, three weeks just devouring the, their remains in silence. There's an AI on board, and he tells the AI, shut the hell up. You know how he, he he's very um, boisterous and, oh, I am the scourge of the galaxy and blah, blah, blah. And he tells the AI, just shut up. But after three weeks of just eating rotting meat, he gets, you know, he doesn't have anybody to boast to. So he decides to tell the, the ship computer his story. And, you know, it, it dovetails with what we've, we already know about Battle Beast. And uh, the end of the story, this is really cool, the AI unknowingly offers the Beast a solution. He said, you know, I, it. It says, I could plunder my database of worlds for that elusive worthy opponent, but my programming forbids me from deceiving an organic being. And, you know... Not to, to be a dead horse, but you killed my crew. Why should why should I I, I be benevolent to you? I'm gonna find someone that's gonna kill you. And Battle Beast is like, well, hot damn, this is what I've been looking for all along. So a possible series is born, right? It's it's we didn't learn too much more about Battle Beast, but we really didn't have to. When um Otley's art is a sight to behold. And, and it reminded me why I fell in love with Ryan Otley's art mm -hmm. Yeah, way back in the day. Amazing Spider-Man made me forget. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I, maybe that's a dig. I, I don't know. But it just didn't seem like Otley was plugged in. To yep. uh, you look at these Battle Beast pages, and it's like holy crap! Like they're they're it's just Battle Beast ripping the hell out of people. Um, his home world, and and he leaves because his rage is going to get the better of him, and he'll end up destroying that which he built. So he leaves and just goes searching the cosmos for a, an opponent, and he, it's ridiculously detailed, gorgeous. I would pay good money. For a Battle Beast action figure. Good, good money. Mm -hmm. Yes. It, and even the logo, the Battle Beast logo, it looks like Battle Beasts. The, the toys with the, the heat-sensitive Transformer-like emblem on the chest. Did you ever have those? That made yep. me, Oh, you did? Mm -hmm. Nice. And so it, it was great. I, um, worth the price all by itself. But there's a, a story called Dark Ride that I'm guessing is going to be a series. It's written by Joshua Williamson with art by Andre Bresson and colored by Adriano Lucas. And all those names should ring a bell because they did Birthright, which I love so much. It's a slight little story. A father takes his two kids to an amusement park. Uh, the, the park's called Devil Land. <laughs> and... Um, it, Basically, a guy cuts in line, and the father doesn't take too kindly to it and beats mm -hmm. the, the crap out of the guy. But there's this weird... One of the sons wears a, a weird little demon pin, and there there are frequent reflections on this pin during the sequence of, sequence of events. So I don't know what it means, but it's Williamson, Brasson, and Lucas, so I'm in. And here's where it gets really weird. What did I talk about with uh, Colorless? Uh, the power of color, right? Mm -hmm. There's a story in here called Chroma. 
the pale city which mm. it's it's synchronicity right it's weird how the universe works which is written created and illustrated by lorenzo de felici and it's about a city chroma that houses the the last vestiges of humanity and there's no color in the city it's black and white and gray and all of the the characters are forbidden uh for to enter the realms beyond because the realms are uh, the realm is all in color and and color is bad and color kills but the, they need to expand the walls of the city so they send out um a party to to scout the area you know just outside of the the city walls and it does not end well for this party at all <laughs> but again high concept um the there's a, like a jungle forest type area around the city and it's lush and green and beautifully colored and there are giant creatures in it and you know blood is crimson so very shocking but I think it's an again it's it plays on that same concept of color or lack of color that colorless did, and it's just I was really thinking, wow, that's really strange. I should read two things in the same almost the same day that feature that concept. It's nuts, but I loved the, it. Yeah, the world works in mysterious ways. It surely does. Not just the world, um, the universe, the mechanism. Yes, mm. and um, there's another story, but I won't talk about it. Because, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I thought it's wonderful. It, I love Skybound 10. Who knew? Except for that one story. Well, I mean, you can't win them all. I, it, 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 I'm sure there's, you know, if, if uh, Mr. Fleece um, would probably say, hey, that's working in the same wheelhouse as us, uh, of sorts. And it is. It's like, you know, cute animals, but no, nah, I just I didn't no, I didn't like it. But the rest of it's wonderful. So mm -hmm. Skybound Ten Number Twenty Five, get the uh, to a shop and pick it up. There's a bunch of different covers, but go with the Otley. It's great. Yeah, gorgeous is what it is. Gorgeous. Yes, it's gorgeous. So pretty. Now, see, I think this Skybound Ten anthology is succeeding where the image anthology is not okay have you checked that out yet yep i have not it's not connecting with me same sad. yeah sad to say mm -hmm. i mean even james heron was in the new one with rumble and it's like okay but other than that i, I don't know it's, it's there seems to be some kind of a, a short in the in mm -hmm. the yeah Whatevs. Can't win them all. That is true. That's yeah. a bummer. What else? I mean, Dapper's got these, these all-time classics on his list here. He does. Yeah, we can... Um, I... Uh, and I'm, I'm, I started uh, the, the third um, story in that saga, but um, Jason's referring to Jeff Loeb and Tim Sales, um, Batman maxi series is, is uh, the Long Halloween and its follow up, um, Dark Victory, and um, 
I mentioned um, when we were talking about Tim briefly um, after he passed. Uh, I won these on eBay ages ago, along with the um, the Marvel Color miniseries that they that they put out. Um, but I just they stayed in the boxes and and moved around with me, but I never sat down to to read them and knowing that for the most part people do absolutely adore especially long halloween um these stories i figured well let me let me read them so i could say i did read them and um just file them away and it's it's weird I've, i've i've read more than a few batman stories and there are some that i think are all time um you know top five batman stories or comic book stories period but this was um this was a, another version of the early days of bruce wayne as batman um following miller and and Mesa kelly's year one uh with some slight tweaks here and there. And, and we have, um, basically the, the Trinity of Batman and Gordon and Harvey Dent kind of all working together to take down, um, the mob bosses that are running Gotham, um, the Falcones or Falcones and, and, uh, Maronis and the, um, I think I dug the concept of, holiday and and uh a killing happens every holiday there's a holiday in every month so of course and it starts with uh with a wedding in august and it runs for for the year batman of all people cannot figure out who the killer is and it's just something it's probably one of his longest um mysteries he's never solved aside from who who killed his parents depending on whatever you're reading but um, I do feel like it went on a little long and I understand that that's the whole idea of the story. Um, but it, 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 I don't want to say that that made it hard to get through, but it, it just, I, I had an issue and I still have more to go and that's, that's fine, but it, it just, it didn't, uh, they didn't keep the winds in the sails and, and, and had me raring to go to the finish line. It, it, it just, it, it dragged a bit for me. Um, this is dark and, victory. No, actually this is first the long Halloween, the dark victory though is not necessarily any better because now they're just kind of going back and, and just redoing the concept again. Um, and it's, Although now, you know, Harvey is Two-Face and uh, all the other villains are involved and it's it's just still, it's just, so now Batman looks like a full two years in a row and, and uh, we get sort of a, a new kind of introduction to Bruce taking Dick Grayson in to his home Um and it it's and, and again I, like we were talking about with world's finest there, there are stories you know D, dc can do stories where they're just kind of um on their own 
they're they're, they're part of the grand story that 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 that's their universe but you can still kind of take these characters and tell these little stories that don't aren't necessarily tied so tightly to continuity that they can still kind of dip in between raindrops or 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 slide in between other things other events um but yeah dark victory wasn't um I think they should have probably just left it alone with uh, Halloween, just because that that itself was was unique and and was a cool mystery uh, that that Batman had to figure out, and then they kind of just watered it down a bit uh, with Dark Victory, and then you do have there is the months where Selena, where Catwoman isn't there, and then that's where the Catwoman. When yeah, it Roman story Rome, takes yeah. place, yeah. Uh, so, so they get to tie that back together, and that that looks a little different because Dave Stewart colors that, and um, it's uh, it's it's it was made a few years later, so so the technology in, in making books was a little different at that point, but um, it's yeah, I I um, I am, like I said I'm glad I read them, but uh, they did not. Knock me on my ass the way other people have talked about them over the years. That surprises me that that you went down this road. Why? Wait, wait explain that. Why well, would it surprise him? But because I'm, I'm way more surprised that he hasn't read them. I mean, it's Long Halloween is on every best of the list like that exists for Batman comics. Wow. And for Dap to not have read it baffled me. No, well, I mean, he did own it. He just didn't get around to it, which is yeah. it's half the battle. Yeah, but I'm saying for really likes the character to not read something that's well, considered one of the best ever was shocked me. Right. One of the reasons why it surprises me is because a lot of people like it. And Dap is, is kind of a mark for... You know the Riddler and 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 yeah, and that's that's probably another reason why I, I'm not thrilled with. And I understand the exaggerations for all the characters. Joker looks insane, and I I, I get it's 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 Sale doing his thing, but I I did not like this version of Riddler at all, oh, physically know. and and the way it's drawn and the way he he's acting like like the the Carly line. I'm just not 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 down with that version. Wow, see there you go. Um, that could have a a lot to do with it because you love the Riddler. I really do. And yeah. that's probably why I, I, I like Hush a lot more than most people do. Okay. Yeah, I, I'll be totally honest. I don't like any of the Loeb sale collaborations. Like, I don't see what the fuss is about at all. Wow, it baffles me. I do like Blue. I like Spider-Man Blue. Um, and I do like Superman for all seasons. That's the best of them all, I think. Okay. I, I like almost all of them. Yeah. And I, I, I think, I mean, and as someone who hasn't read a million Batman comics, I think The Long Halloween is fantastic. Like, I think it's well worth its reputation. I bought it out of, out of inertia. Like, when it, I, as each issue came out, I bought it. Um, and I just, I bottomed out three quarters of the way through. I just thought it was way too long. And right, right. I, 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 whatever. There, there are a lot of reasons. But um, I, I don't think Loeb is good with Batman. I'm, the the Loeb stories that I've read that I really really enjoyed, and you're going to say it's lowball. I know was the Hulk stuff. I I really like Loeb's take on the Hulk. But other than that, I just I don't. Whenever he does Batman, or uh, I just I'm not digging it. I just doesn't connect. You didn't, with me. You didn't like Batman Superman? 
Um, I like the art a lot. McGinnis. Yeah, I thought McGinnis did a great job on the art, but that and, and that just carried over into the Red Hulk, Green Hulk stuff. That that was why you know it was it, that opened oh, the door yeah, for, yeah. for me. But um, no, I just I don't know. I, I, again, I don't want to speak ill of anybody's work. I just it just doesn't resonate with me on any uh, at all. Hmm. Now, had had I read it in '99 when when it or '97 when it when it came out, I don't. I don't know how, if that would um, alter my, my take in any way. I mean, obviously, in the decades since, we've seen other Batman stories. Other writers have, new writers have, have, have taken on the character and have done things with him. But I haven't necessarily read all of those stories either. Um, I just, I don't know what I was expecting. I just know as I'm going through it, through both series further and further as, as, as I keep reading them. Um, I, it, there were times where I was just like, I'm, I don't, I don't know what it is about these stories that, that, that have so many people. Um, well, much like DKR too. I mean, I don't think long, I mean, long victory does not have the reputation of long Halloween. I mean, dark victory is the sequel to it, but it doesn't yeah. that, you don't see Dark Victory on uh, many. No, no. Yes, you could, yeah. you could, you could leave Long Halloween on its own, and it's fine. Right. And, yeah. and Dark Victory obviously kind of needs the first story to to build on. But yeah, I, I, I definitely get that. Yeah, you're not. And I love the Catwoman story. I think that's phenomenal. It I, looks great. I I'm do not, like the look of it. I'm not trying to be, you know, be a dick, but I, I don't see uh, the fact or or lack of. Uh, appearance on any best of list as a barometer of how good something is i'm not i'm not being i'm really not being a jerk but no it doesn't that doesn't i mean your personal taste but it does i mean i think it's ridiculous to suggest it doesn't have some measure into the provenance of a book when you have a character like batman i mean again like there have been thousands of batman stories so when something like you wouldn't say the same thing about dark knight returns but like you're not surprised to hear like you if I were like oh Dark Knight Returns is on every best of Batman it's like well of course it is right like but it they're they are they are coincident they they both are on those lists so like again like one you love to death and it's like one of your favorite things ever one didn't speak to you but there's people out there that are of right. a totally different view DKR doesn't do much for them and they love Long Halloween like I know lots of our listeners over the years have said Long Halloween is their favorite Batman story yeah. but again like there's a short list right. Batman Year One, DKR, Long Halloween. Like, there aren't that... I mean, like, for however many thousands of Batman stories have ever been told, like, when people rattle off the ones that they love the most above them all, you know, Long Halloween, again, for better or for worse, is one of the ones that gets mentioned. Right. Well, I, mean, it's I think the, DKR gets mentioned more than anything else, certainly, but... And rightly so. Uh, and, and not to defend it, but DK2 isn't a Batman story. It's a Justice League story. So. <laughs> Fair enough. The um, okay. and and just like I mean, it, it, we also have, I mean, and and Batman is forever. Uh, no matter where you were born, or it, it, there's Batman's always existed in our lives. So um, unlike where I'm going with this, like Watchmen, and depending on where you were, how old you were, what else was going on in your life, how, how long you've been in comics, or your familiarity with history of them. Watchmen is going to hit you differently. There are people who, I mean, you're not going to give a first time or I'm new to comics. You're not going to give them Watchmen. Sure. But there are people who 
will eventually get around to reading Watchmen, even if they've only been reading comics for five or ten years. And and we've we've seen it on the Slack where people are just like, you know, I finally read Watchmen. I don't get it. I, I don't know why everybody, you know, think and well, it's and that's yeah. and. And that's, this you know, gets down to the, the like the debate we've had a million times about comics and art and whether it's subjective. Like, of course, anything that one consumes is subjective. But I do think, and and I've said this before, that there are certain there are certain qualitative ways that you can measure a craft, such that it is indefensible to me for someone to say that Watchmen is a bad comic. It is not indefensible for me to say that someone read Watchmen and it's not their favorite or they right. love the story. But if you really care about the medium and how comics are crafted and the mechanisms which just make comics work, you know, getting back to like, you know, the Scott McCloud, like understanding comics, Watchmen is an absolute masterpiece. And again, I'm not like you can like that. I'm not saying people are wrong if they're like, I don't like the story. Like that's you. You do you. But if you read Watchmen and you think it's a bad comic, then you're lazy and don't care about the craft of comics. Right. Like I truly believe that. Like I, it's one of those things where like I, I I will summarily dismiss anyone's opinion on comics if they think Watchmen isn't a good comic. Right. Like again, they may not love it. They may not think oh, it's my favorite comic. But like that's fine. You know, that's obviously. And you get into the like your favorites of all time. Like of course that's super subjective, especially if you've read as many comics as most of our 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 friends and listeners have. But like. I just don't think there's any legitimate argument to say that Watchmen isn't a masterpiece in the of of comics creation. Whether or not you love the story, that's that's up to you. I right, know. and that was one of the things. Um, well, I didn't struggle with it, but it it it, it came to mind when recently uh, we did a top five list on the Slack. Uh, top five five all time favorite comics, right? And Watchmen was so on was the top ten. You mean top ten? Was it top ten? No, I think it was top. Was it top ten? Yeah, we all did until. Oh no, that was the creators. We did creators as top ten. Yeah, whatever the case, we listed our our favorite comics, whether mm-hmm. it was five or ten. Sure. And and as I was scrolling, Watchmen was on a lot of lists, and I'm thinking, I love Watchmen. Watchmen's great, but is it one of my favorite comics of all time? It's have, my favorite comic of all time. Uh, I, I mean, I have more comics that mean significantly more to me than Watchmen. Like if if I had to weigh the merits of both Watchmen and Commandy, Commandy's gonna win. Without sure. without yeah. question. Yeah. Right. But that's what that favorite word means. You're not we've read millions probably <laughs> between the three of us of, of comics. And uh while Watchmen is probably the, the the goat right and you should see it as that because it, it, I, I think it's unrivaled in what it accomplished yeah i think it's unimpeachable from uh again if we're talking about the academics of creating a comic i think right. it's an un, it's it's unimpeachable to say it's an all-time great again if it's your if it's the all-time great or if it's like your favorite those are different conversations but i think right it, like you cannot make a credible case that Watchmen isn't an amazing comic book no no i think it's silly yeah. And and it, it smacks of sour grapes, depending on right. who it's coming from. Yeah. But um, no, I mean, again, is is Marvel's Planet of the Apes black and white stuff better than Watchmen? Hell no. But in my pantheon, it's higher. So you're saying you were surprised because favorite opens the door to so much more subjectivity. Sure. That a lot of people had it on their list. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think they a lot of people went with. Uh, 
in a qualitative sense like like watchmen of course is if you said your favorite comics and you were strictly going by those which were aesthetically sound in in every respect watchmen has to be on the list well this is like a rushmore thing like if 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 the list was the like the five greatest comics of all time i would expect and be shocked if watchmen wasn't on a lot of the list oh it would be on mine yeah but if without question 100 people what are your five favorite comics ever I, I would think Watchmen would be on 10% of the list, maybe. Oh, what are the what are the top five greatest comics of all time? Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns, Year One, uh, Born Again. What else? Um, uh, I don't know what number five would be. How, how, how crazy is it that Frank Miller... It's not crazy at char- all. It's, no, it's not. <laughs> it's but not. It, it's like when you think of all of our favorite and... Just not even our favorite, but just great comic book creators. Period. Um, and 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 Miller was just tapped in enough to take two characters and and tell stories that just. I mean, yeah, I I, I don't I don't know. Well, and to be fair, I, I don't know that. Like, I I think the list of inches throughout. I think Watchmen and DKR are certainly picks, but I think for most people, Sandman would be. Would be in that top five. There's a lot more people would say Sandman. Than I think that's fair. One. Yeah. yeah, Sandman than year yeah. one, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, I get that. Um, I I would struggle with five, number five. Um, there there are a number of of uh, titles that I think would fit the bill, but I don't know. It's, it's I mean, because because I mean, when yeah, because now now you start thinking about. Now you're looking at your favorites. It's like is yeah. the Great Darkness Saga be on there over Planetary or 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 you know a well, this PRD is collection? Like, you have to deal, like, we've, like I think it's for me. Whenever we have these lists or conversations, like I would want to make sure we delineate between: are we talking about like our personal favorites, or are we talking about like who should be on the Rushmore of like objectively right. make a case for why it's great, right? Because like because then again, like for me, Watchmen, DKR, Mouse. Sandman, I mean, uh, like those, that's number the, five. I, yeah, Mouse. So mouse? there you go. Yeah, but then like from there, maybe my fifth. I mean, I, 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 I that'd be that'd be trickier. I mean, right. I think, well, I think I, Bone, Bone could be. You could have a discussion about Bone. You, could, I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of things you could have. You know, kind of you got to throw Carl Barks in there. You, you know what I mean? You got to throw monsters. A, uh, no. <laughs> well, not for you, Jason. I know. No, but I, know mon- I think it's mon- monsters. Is monsters is way too new to even be considered. It is new. It is yeah, new, which is can't. why. Yeah, that's not. But it has I, to age into where people are revisiting yes. it constantly and getting it recommended and saying, "Oh my!" Like that's that's yeah. If you have a list of best comics of all time and you don't have Love and Rockets or Cerebus on it, something's really wrong. Now I know I know Dave Sim is persona non grata. I, I get sure. it, but. What he accomplished with Cerebus, in terms of in this in in the same um, track as Watchmen, it's one of those unrivaled series that, you, if you've read it and 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 you see what the man had had done with it, you know that it, it in the same breath it belongs with those other books. It's just a great piece. Well, ending aside, the bulk of Cerebus is as good as. Or better than a lot of the the things that just casually get thrown on the list. I think Sandman cr- uh, is crushed by Cerebus. I think Cerebus is a, a many, many, many times better than Sandman. But yeah, 
your mileage may vary. Sure. I mean, yeah, that, that I think a lot of people definitely respect Cerebus, but I mean, I think he's a nut again, job. And yeah. as much as if we're talking again, this is, are we talking about the most widely held view or are we talking about personal no. view? Cause I think, I think certainly a lot more people put Sam in. Sure. Yeah. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't give a, a no, no, I'm saying, well, no, but right. But again, this is where you have to delineate like your personal list is, is like no one can question anyone's personal list. Mm-hmm. Like it's your list. Like your whatever you think work works for you. Like, Obviously, most people don't consider Aphrodisiac the best book of the aughts, but for me, it was my favorite, right? So, like, like that's, yeah. like, it's not right or wrong. It's just, that's my view. Like, I, that's how I feel, but I don't expect anyone else to agree with me. But that's, but I'm not going to ever say Aphrodisiac is the greatest comic of the aughts. Like, that's... Yeah. How, how fertile were the 80s for best of lists? Like, it's <laughs> well, insane. Well, I think, see, I, but I think part of that is... is gets back to what you were saying about nostalgia and when you're reading comics because i think that um just like we romanticize you know 70s cinema right or like you know what i mean like it's like there are there are definitely golden eras but also i think it has to do with the fact that a lot of the part of the fandom that we connect with on a regular basis are in our age cohort and we fell in love with the medium because of the stuff that was happening at that time which was a great era right like so, I'm, it, that's always tricky to me. Like, like yes, you're, I mean, I don't, I don't personally disagree with what you're saying about that period of time being amazing, but it's also somewhat born out of the fact that we, like, that's when we came into comics. Yeah, but I think you're contradicting yourself a little bit because if if you have a decade with two, number one and number two on the all-time greatest lists, not a personal list. Uh, a, a clinical aesthetic list, Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen came out the same decade. Like, there had to be something going on. Well, it came out the same year. Uh, well, right, but uh, let's do the, the brackets of the 80s. Look, look what else came out in the 80s. Like, um, didn't the bulk of, of uh, uh, well, all of year one came out in the 80s, right? Sure. And Born Again came out in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's crazy. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out in the eighties. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, it was just a ridiculously Simonson's Thor. Yeah, it was stupid. How many landmark books came out in the eighties? I think yes, it, it, there is a component of nostalgia. But when you look at it with a discerning eye, I think, oh my god, what were they drinking during the eighties? All of these zot like. Um, yeah, I mean, but but again, like I think I think you got to tighten it up. I mean, I think those early those first few years of the '80s were the time we're talking about when you were getting all this stuff. I mean, there was that period between '82 and '85 where you were getting it was a bunch crazy of stuff that, that stands the test of time as, as all time. Absolutely time. insane time. Yeah. Yep. Because like before, I mean, because you, I mean, because you had things like Swamp Thing and Claremont Burn X Men, which were right before that, right? You had like so. You know, like how far, like how how wide are you going to make the time band, right? Uh, if, if we only knew back then, like, whew, it, it was it was a time. I, I think it was the supernova, and then um, stuff is just spiraling out into the ex- the extremes now. But yeah, ridiculously uh, uh, inventive time for comics. Oh no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. We never have we ever talked about Sin City on the show. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I know we did. It's been a long time ago. It's. I mean, it had to be Yellow Bat. I think we did talk Yellow Bastard. Okay, maybe. Yeah, 
Um, I know we've had a we few. We may even have talked family values, too. That I don't know about. I, I, I know we've so. had a few. Um, when we did the polls for, for Book of the Month, we used to, we would throw one on there every once in a while. But um, I would like uh, to revisit any of the Sin City just to. So would I. Recapture that joy of, of uh, seeing Frank in his element. Well, we yeah, know I mean, what I, next week's I love Sin City. It's, 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 it's certainly right up there with, for me, my favorite Frank Miller stuff. I mean, I don't. I love it. So. Good old anytime. We can uh, we we can pick one for August. Yeah. There you go. All right. Let's take a look at the clock here. See where we're going. Oh, we got lots of time. <laughs> lots and lots of time. So what else, Jason? That's it, man. I'm tapped out. You tapped out. What is happening? I, we got through everything on my list, dog. I was, you know, I was away this week. Man. Well, Dap and I have been loving Kniff's Terry and the Pirates. All right, good on you. For real. Oh, we don't have to go deep. It, it's just, um, I, th- I think we even talked about it uh, last week, didn't we, Dap? Just no, we did. We we it was on our it was on our list. You and I discussed because uh, you and I had both only read through. The Sundays. What's what's neat about the packaging? What's neat about this presentation is that at least in this first volume, and I don't know if the rest are going to do this until the stories line up. But um, the first volume, the first what sixty, seventy odd pages are um, are just the first sixty or so are just uh, the one page Sunday stories, which um, the Sundays were started after the the. The dailies began a couple. I think the the Sunday started December of of that year, so a couple months after the dailies. But um, there were also running separate stories. Characters that were in the Sundays were not in the dailies until a couple of years after the strip was running. And then, according to the introductory notes, um, the strip just completely merges and yeah. Well, that's an, edit- story, it's an but, editorial decision. They did but that. this is a fantastic. Uh, just judging by this first volume, and yes, I know we also have the thirteenth. But this is uh, this is a fantastic presentation. It's well worth the price. It really is. Yeah. Um, but it, in terms of political correctness, <laughs> it's uh, it 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 may curl a little toe, many toes out there because the uh, it's of its time. Yes. Yes. Uh, the. Um, I, I the the Chinese are not treated with respect at all. Right. Or are women. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yes, or are women. Um but I mean we you were coming right out of uh it, a while, but it was at the, World War 1, you know, the and and yeah. and going into 2, but it's just like we had a lot of uh perceived enemies and um I mean, the series starts at the end of 1934. Yeah, the 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 there are racial epithets thrown around, um, and it, they have a friend, um, Connie, um, a Chinese man, uh, who has uh, Confucius among his many names, and one of the characters, Pat, which is the uh, Bruce Wayne to to uh, Terry Lee's Robin, I guess you could say. 
just calls him stupid all the time and he denigrates him. Yeah, I, every time he tells him to shut up, I hear Howard Stern's father. You know that audio bit that they always play, shut up! I hear that all the time. I don't know why. But, I mean, it's great. The Dragon Lady story is, is wonderful and uh, she's attracted to Pat, but um, normally she would have just had him killed, but she, you know, she thinks he's all that and, and keeps him around. Yeah. <laughs> Which leads to her downfall, but I, I just think it's it's all fun stuff. It, in terms of of Kniff's prowess, it's a mere shadow of uh, Steve Canyon. Like that's when he just became godlike when he was doing Steve Canyon. Yeah, he doesn't spot the blacks in Terry like he does in in Canyon. I mean, visually. You can tell it's the same artist, but the approach is very, very different. And it's nice to have two different approaches from a master cartoonist. But um, How long did uh, Steve Canyon run? Oh, jeez. I don't know. Many volumes. Uh, yeah, I think the IDW collections are in, they reach the 20s, maybe 30s. Jesus. Uh, there's a lot of Steve Canyon, yeah. The, the uh, kitchen sink reprint magazines are great but they only touch upon it and the comics review uh chapters again are towards the tail end of it but uh, at least right now Mr. canyon went on way longer than than terry yeah but I, like i said this is a major investment the if, if you if you want to see uh milton caniff uh caniff sorry in his uh early stages uh, it's going to cost, well, all told, Dap, how much is this thing going to cost? At least a grand. Yeah, if you're paying retail, yeah. Um, I think when when the first volume, some of us were able to get in on it late last year when they were announcing it. Uh, and then right before the first volume was being shipped, they brought the deal back at a slightly raised price. So for all 12 volumes, you could have gone all in for about 900 bucks. Uh, you can buy them individually, uh, which um, looks like retail is what? Uh, shit. I think it's um, like a, a hundred and a quarter a book. It's on that little sheet on the back, which is somewhere here. Um it is 120 for the first volume at least um the 13th volume is only gotten when you get the entire series yeah or you you sign up for the deal where you get the uh it comes with the first volume and then um you pay for three volumes a year um so yeah they they, they had different they had different tiers to accommodate everybody depending on which you feel like spending. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you're looking at, at um, if if it's 12 volumes at over 100 bucks a pop, there you go, Vince, like you said. So yeah. Yeah. If, uh, but it's, I the think first it's worth it. The is sold out. The first volume can only, it, I, I believe the library of, uh, I believe Clover no longer has the first volume. They might still have some of the first and 13th volume bundles, but the first volume by itself you cannot get from them. You'll have to uh, go third party. Wow. That was uh, according to the email I saw. So, yeah. And uh, D- Dean Mullaney is involved in the production of these things. 
Yes. And anybody, you know, you say Dean Mullaney, I say Eclipse. Yep. And that takes me right back to those. I am not familiar with Bruce Canwell, though. Same. Okay. Yeah. At least not immediately. Right. But uh, I, I I love this set, and I think they did a phenomenal job. I have uh, some Terry collections, and you put them side by side, it's like night and day. Especially the Color Sundays, they did a, a great, great job on, on restoring those. Yeah, I'm surprised there's no uh, there's no ribbon, there's no there's no bookmark, but um, it's fine. It it is it's and and then the uh, the spines when all thirteen volumes are uh, said and done, we'll make a uh, we'll make an image. I have no idea which shelf these are going on because these things are so goddamn tall. Yeah, it's gonna take again too. It takes a a, a major amount of uh, reading room real estate to yeah. when the whole set's completed. But I hope Absolutely. they do it for Steve Canyon after this. Yeah, I might. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if I'll follow along for that one. But I mean, I'd like to just because I want to see the artist, the creator, uh, from his beginnings to uh, to his later years. But if, if you're telling me we're we're talking about however many volumes, yikes! Well, they're they're two different approaches. Terry's right. focused on a, a young man. And his his universe, where Steve Canyon is focused on a semi seasoned uh, pilot and and everything that he gets into. So it's you know he he the the strips I think matured in in tandem with the the artist. So there you have it. It's good stuff. Love them. It's going to break the bank though, so be wary. <laughs> Yeah, but it's, I it's think it, it's, yeah. it's a worthy purchase. All right. Uh, hey, everybody. Thank you for listening. One more time around, we would love and we would like to thank the patrons for doing this. Patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics. Check it out. Lots of stuff there uh, to enrich your lives, hopefully, and ours. In your travels, Jason, what mm. genre did we talk about last week? That we said there need to be more books of this westerns. genre. Yes, westerns. Well, I have a free comic book day offering. Okay. Yeah, from Epicenter Comics. And that name should resonate because I've talked about their books on other occasions. Uh, specifically, uh, Zagor. Yeah. And uh, they they do these... I, I believe they're mostly from uh, Bonelli Comics. And that, again, Marvel got tied up with Bonelli Comics not too long ago, right? That, about, what, eight, ten years ago? Marvel was putting out a ton of Bonelli books. Because it was right on the tail end of, of Bullpen Bulletins when they started doing I remember it. the Dabble Brothers stuff. And then I remember they did uh, Sky Doll. They did some of the French books. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, the, the the book about the female vampires, the young cutesy female vampires, and I, I think Marvel had ties to Bonelli at one time. I know. I think I'm pretty sure that Dark Horse did too. But anyway, this is a western, and the the stories by Mauro Bocelli, and the artworks by Michel Rubini. And uh, Massimo Carnival did the cover. It's called Tex in the Land of the Seminoles. And uh, completely black and white, which is 
right up my alley, but even more towards the point, it's a Western. And the reason why I'm bringing this book up is, yes, it was a free comic book day book, and there's a method behind their madness. They offered this as a free comic book day uh, offering because in this previews, uh, you can get the entire book. Text in the land of the Seminoles, it's like 400 and some odd pages. It's a massive tome. This art is absolutely incredible. Uh, Michelle Rubini's art, holy crap. I, I can't do justice to it um, in mere words. It, it, to, to look for um, comparatives uh, would take me all day. But it, it, it's very rich, uh, very chiaroscuro. There's a lot of dark blacks, a lot of uh, blazing whites. But it's set in the jungles, right? And uh, Tex, he's a good guy. He's a very good guy. But he's hanging around with a, with a bunch of ne'er-do-wells who um, want nothing more than to exterminate uh, the indigenous peoples. And Tex is not having it. So he's he's working under a pseudonym by Ben Walker. And he, he's basically thwarting these bad dudes at every turn. Um, and so, like I said... Uh, at this this is an excerpt, so I don't know what came before or after, but they have uh, Tex on the ropes, and he gets in a position where he can kill the leader of this uh, motley band of, of soldiers, and he doesn't do it. And the other guys see that, that he had to beat on him, and he didn't kill him. So he flees into the, the, the swamps and summarily saves some of these uh, soldiers from uh, nasty crocodiles. And there's one panel. Wow, you see this thing. It is just absolutely amazing. Tex jumps into the... One of the guys is getting mauled by, by a crocodile. And Tex puts a knife in his mouth, jumps into the water, and he submerges and approaches the crocodile from its vulnerable spot, which is its belly. And he sticks it with a knife and, and cuts it. But the panel where he's swimming up underneath the crocodile, it is absolutely phenomenal. The ripples in the water, the the splashing of the guy being mauled, and then you got Tex underneath and you could just you could feel the flow uh of of you know Tex's hair and the, it's it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal panel. But every panel is is uh in accord. It's just beautifully drawn. And it's 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 an old fashioned western. I mean, it's around the it's the old west uh, where where um, the settlers were expanding and eradicating the people that were here before them. And uh, the at the end, the Seminoles get their their hand on Tex, and you know they're about to kill him. Yes, he he he's uh, not a threat, but he's white, so he's got to die. Because that color skin exterminates our people. So we'd be silly not to take him out. And that's where it leaves off. They don't. Do they kill him? I don't know. Obviously not because it's a 400-page book. So uh, Tex in the land of the Seminoles from Epicenter. Open up whatever ordering system you have and pre-order the book because it looks absolutely astounding. Astounding. Yep. 
I say it. You did say it. Yeah. Have you seen the art? Did you do any, any Googling while I was talking? It's really, really good. It is. No, it, I did not. But yeah. I'm, I'm going through it. It's just whew, so accomplished. Uh, the and, and the pacing and the sequentials are. It, it, it's like watching a, a Republic serial where you're just pulled into it and you lose all, all sense of, of place and time and you're in the actual story. And you're like, there's, there's terribly bad people and there's wonderfully good people. That's all you really need, right? That is true. Yep. Um, I am... I didn't get to finish this. Um unfortunately so i am going to um i'll have more if not next week because we have our book of the month uh then probably the week after but i also in this box uh from heroes uh were the first couple of parts of this shadow war crossover between uh deathstroke and batman and robin and um as i was talking about deathstroke inc last time um, I'm going to get through Shadow War to find out if I'm going to continue um, having Deathstroke Inc. on my pull list. But what is... So, so Shadow War is... Uh, and I know, I, I believe the trade, the hardcover, uh, was, in the, was in this month's July uh, DC Connect. But um, it appears that somebody is impersonating Deathstroke uh, and uh, shoots Raish al Ghul in the head. Raish and Talia are going to turn themselves in um, and at his little uh, press conference when, when he's about to say this, um, Batman and Robin, uh, Damien, are on a rooftop uh, watching this happen and the bullet goes through Raish's head and Damien flips out, screaming for his grandfather. Um, and it's it's someone wearing an old Deathstroke armor. Um, and so now Talia is going to have the uh, Shadow League after him, and Damien is after him, and uh, Slate also kind of has a son who's sort of kind of a clone who goes by the ridiculous name Respawn, who kind of looks like Damien with white hair. It, it's, I, I'm not really feeling that, which is why I'm saying I'm not sure if once I finish Shadow War, if I'm going to continue um, with Deathstroke, Inc. But the the Batman issue has a pretty neat backup tale where uh, it's kind of like Batman and Deathstroke's first meeting when um, Deathstroke was hired to uh, kill Robin. But it looks like it may have been Joker who was who did the hiring, um, and that backup continues into the next issue of Batman. But what is what I'm really curious about is in the same DC Connect, there is a new miniseries called Batman versus Robin, written by Mark Wade, illustrated by Mahmoud Arthur, and it's um, according to the little blurb. The, this miniseries spins out of the events not only from Shadow War, but also from World's Finest, and that kind of ties into uh, this week's number five, 
but um yeah so i'm kind of i as i was telling the guys in our slack that uh i, I need to pare down my singles of course dc comes out with a miniseries where it's a creative team that i'm interested in and it's tied into two books that i'm currently reading um so i can't really bow out just yet but um i am kind of just now curious to see how where all of this is is going basically uh in your travels you might want to check out the 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 shadow war collection that um is solicited i haven't finished reading shadow war yet so my attitude may change next week we'll see but as far, i think i think shadow war is starting off pretty strong um not uh deathstroke inc lead up uh notwithstanding so in your travels uh the shadow war event Right on. Um, well, Vince, when you asked me earlier uh, to have anything else, I was saving it from In Your Travels. That is because, uh, not that I need to tell people about this already, I'm sure you're on it, but In Your Travels, if you haven't already, make sure you pick up Love Everlasting, number one, written by our good friend, Mr. Tom King, with amazing art by Elsa Charitier. Uh, colors by Matt Hollingsworth. This is uh, Matt, uh, Matt. This is uh, Tom and Elsa's uh, Substack comic, so you can read it for free in serialized form if you uh, if you subscribe to their Substack. But um, if like if you're like me and you just couldn't quite find yourself sticking with the Substacks, um, this is, uh, is is getting published in, in regular old comic book form. And I'm very, very happy to see it because uh, I figured it would be dope. This is Tom's take on romance comics. For those of you young people out there listening, you may not know that romance comics were once the dominant top-selling uh, genre in comic books for a while, back in the 50s. Um, and, uh, you know, we just don't get many romance comics certainly not in a mainstream way anymore uh but uh but the awesome thing about this is while this is definitely steeped in that uh in that uh genre and the look and the feel and the setting uh it's much more like a black mirror version of it uh in essence joan peterson who is our uh our our, our pretty lady uh looking for love the the protagonist she is effectively stuck in like a weird not quite groundhog day loop but like a weird loop where every time she falls in love uh she ends up getting shifted to another reality uh and uh and yet she's she's mindful of it she she knows that she's she can remember her lost loves and uh, she's trying to figure out what in the hell's going on and if she can reverse it or if she can get her life back but uh, but it's all steeped in these settings of classic romance comic genre. So like in the beginning, we're introduced to it conventionally. It's it's she's just moved to New York from a small city in the Midwest, and she's got a a, a female roommate, and and there's a love triangle, and she's working as a secretary because it's the fifties, and then she shifts to a old West setting, and then she shifts again to a, a, a totally different genre setting, and so forth and so on. But um, I mean, you know, Tom is a great writer, no doubt about that, but. But for me, the the magic of this is seeing him work with Elsa because um, Tom has always had a great, uh, I guess, fortune or luck. I don't know because I don't know how much it's been, <laughs> but in, in who he works with artistically. Um, and uh, and certainly 
Uh, Elsa is a new collaborative partner, but I can't imagine they're not not going to continue to work together if uh, if the work that she's going to put down is going to continue to look like this because it is just jaw dropping. I mean, if you're a fan of 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 those throwback comics, I mean, we certainly were gushing about Darwin a few weeks ago, and and you know, um, for those that don't know Elsa's work, I mean, she's very much of that school, uh, and I just think she's fantastic. I mean, she she's you know she's very much out of that that Cook Tim school of cartooning uh and uh yeah love everlasting was 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 awesome it was it was much darker than i expected it to be um which i which i like because even if it was just a modern day riff on conventional romance comics i probably would have dug it but uh but i i like that uh they're taking us to a totally different place so nice check it out there you go a little bit of echo there that means we really love you. So do us a favor. Come back next week. We'll be doing our book of the month, which is... On a Sunbeam. By... Tilly Walter. Right. And uh, so read it and join us for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And do what you got to do. Get your comics, love your loved ones, and say goodnight. That's uh, no banter from Jason. What's up? <laughs> okay. Usually this is where we... Is it? Uh, yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> no, I don't think so. here. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> David. Good night. Just to thwart me at every turn. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's my that's my role to thwart you. Bebo-bop. <laughs> uh. David. <laughs> yeah. To David. Nice. Just come back Thank next you. time because we love you so much. Tell them how much you love them. Oh, be tremendous so amount. Much. You got to be honest. You can't see how far apart my arms are. Right. Stay cool, people. Mm. Oh, Dan, it's been hot out. Hot as a mug. Seriously. That Doesn't bother me. No. You guys, that's the thing in blood. It's stupid out. It bothers the hell out of me. It, it it it's hurt to breathe kind of heat. Yeah, it ain't right. It ain't right. It's not. And 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 God bless you, people in Europe, man. I I, I can't imagine what you're. I mean, I I'm bitching about the heat here, but I mean, you you folks are going through shit that you're not supposed to be going through. So my heart goes out to y'all. That's big. Thanks. Oh, and uh, we didn't uh, we didn't mention the passing of um, Alan Grant. Yeah. Grant. yeah. Read some Shadow of the Bat. Read some Bry Fogel, Batman. Yeah, read some peace, Mr. Grant. Yes. That's it for that one. <laughs>